Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your co-host Hayward Evans and Eddie Rye. Uh, today we got real sad news uh, from the Washington, D.C. area. Congressman Elijah Cummings has passed away. Uh, everybody knows that Congressman Cummings was leading the House Oversight Committee, was deep off into uh, the impeachment inquiry uh, into President Donald J. Trump. And what we would like to do is take a moment of silence, silence and remembrance of Congressman Elijah Cummings from Baltimore, Maryland. Congressman Cummings, may you rest in peace, and we will we'll never Amen. forget uh, all your efforts in bringing uh, the truth to the people and being the advocate that you were, not only for your district, but for underserved people all across this country. Uh, here with our first guest are Don Hunter, the award-winning uh, manager yeah. out at SeaTac, and also she has online with her senior business manager, Kalia Moore. So, uh, Don Hunter, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with Hayward Evans and Eddie Rye. Uh, you got uh, a big event coming up on Saturday, and a bigger event is coming up on the 30th, and we'll talk about that yeah. later. <laughs> so why don't you share with our listeners, first of all, a little bit about, I want both you and Ms. Kalila to talk about uh, what your duties and responsibilities were. We know uh, what some people, uh, like David Fukuhara and Jerry Whitsitt and, and Ron O'Neill and Sandy Sun and other folks had to go through with the prior administration at SeaTac. And now we understand that things seem to be on going the right way. So if you, if both of you could just share just a little bit about your background and what your duties are right now. Uh, <clears throat> thank you so much for this opportunity. Uh, my name is Don Hunter, and I am the senior manager for the airport dining and retail program here at SeaTac Airport. Um, I manage all of the concessions here at the airport, everything from the restaurants, retail, duty-free advertising, uh, Luggage carts, they're all under my purview. And um, to your point, you know, I don't know much about the past administrations, but I have uh, built a team here who has a commitment to small and minority business uh, here at the airport. I am committed to making sure that the businesses that are in the airport are a reflection of the community. And the Seattle community makes up are, are made up of many different faces and colors and experiences. And we definitely want to make sure that those are represented here at the airport. Kalia? Um, thank you so much for allowing us to be here. Um, my name is Kalia Moore, and I'm the Senior Business Manager of Airport Dining and Retail here at SeaTac. I oversee operations with a focus in food and beverage. Um, prior to coming here, I was the acting um, ACDB ELO for Westfield um, Airport and managed their small business and ACDB um, businesses there. Um, I was in partner development for them, and prior to the airport, I worked for Westfield doing their cart kiosk leasing for the West Coast. Okay, that's uh, a fantastic background. Uh, Don, uh, in terms of uh, uh, the increase in the number of uh, minorities at the airport, what does the situation look like right now? Because we know for a while there was a seemed like an effort to get, if they wasn't un under Host or Hudson, yep. they seemed to be like on their way out. Has that changed at all, and are the folks doing better than they were before you got there? Well, I think that there was an overall push for uh, what you're calling joint venture partners, uh, whether they were their host or Hudson or SSP America, all of the larger businesses. And those have their places, but um, I'm really committed to those folks who also want to come in and run their own show and have their own experiences. So 
for instance, in 2018, we put in our the first Native American tenant. 2018, we had our first Latin American tenant, which to me is crazy in a major U.S. city. But anyway, we're trying to create more opportunities for uh, small minority businesses to actually come in and not have to partner with a large uh, company and be able to operate, whether it's retail or it's food and beverage. One of the things that we're working on now um, is our food incubator. It is a the sister program to our, our retail kiosk, where we're actually going to build out full kitchens, and we're going to rotate uh, local businesses through the airport and so we can get that flavor. Like, we don't have any African food. Or we don't have any real true ethnic food. We don't have any soul food. We don't have these kind of experiences that I think the passengers should be able to taste when uh, when they come to the airport because it's a reflection of the community. Like Pascal's at the yeah, Atlanta Airport? Yes. <laughs> yes, like Pascal's at Atlanta Airport. I like that place. Okay, yeah, I was, I was just checking. Now, uh, uh, the, the in terms of the lease agreements, the minorities, before you got there, you know, they were trying to cut them short. That's right. Now I understand it's with your advocacy and that of uh, Lance Little, the aviation manager, uh, they've been made somewhat whole in terms of having equality in terms of the duration of the lease. Is that correct? Yes. The federal regulation says that if you have a prime and a ACDB partner on a contract, if the prime is extended, the sub is also extended with the same term. Um, and so I'm just following the letter of the law. And uh, when I came on board, uh, Lance asked me to to look into it and to do some research. Um, and talking to counterparts across the country, we thought it was the best thing to do is to fulfill the regulation and make sure that they were made whole and have the same lease extension as their prime. You know, Don, uh, one of the, let me just congratulate you. I think you're doing a fantastic job. I know last year when Eddie and I were reviewing the Auto Grill uh, annual report, and Auto Grill owns Host International. Mm-hmm. And what it said directly in their report, it said that they will not accept low traffic foot uh, uh, airways at the airport or, or spaces that you have low foot traffic. What's being done to make sure the minorities are getting uh, uh, getting locations with high foot traffic now? Well, I think it's just taking a step back and looking at the entire master plan. Um, the hope is that no tenant will be in a space that is not viable for them, whether they're a large business or a small one. So I think the that first starts with the master plan and, and looking at all the spaces. And then as we plan our lease groups, I know we have RFPs are normally geared to the big guys and CEPs are for the smaller uh, units. And so we want to make sure those CEP opportunities are in prime locations where they're going to get good employment, they have great visibility. Um, because as you know, if – any, at any time if the airport takes a dip, the larger companies can sustain where a smaller business will yeah. not be able to. So we want to make sure that we're putting them in locations that they are viable um, and they have the most uh, chance for success. Excellent. And from that kiosk program, how is that coming along now and how are the minorities doing in terms of getting registered? So um, we, we have currently six and we are in process of getting about five more spaces. Um, so we're really trying to grow that program. Um, so we do have a, a, a nice amount of uh, local and minority uh, businesses that have signed up for that, um, also for our food incubator. And so once those spaces become available, we're just going to look at the mix at the airport and say, where are we deficient? What void can we fill for the traveling public? And then we'll fill in those voids. Well, I was just curious because I don't, I've heard I don't have the, uh, I, this is a hearsay, 
But it's my understanding that one one ACDV, the Airport Concessionary Disadvantaged Business Enterprise, which is a aqua, federal acronym for minority businesses at the airport, spent $50,000 to open up a kiosk to, to only to get a phone call and say, oh, we won't need it now. Uh, how, do, how does that remedy it? I mean, you know, you're already at a disadvantage out there anyway. And this this particular DVE has been under the gun by folks at the, the former Craig Watson, Zacherson, and Lincoln, and the rest of that clan. I have to say they were a clan. Ouch. But anyway, uh, I was just curious to know, so does this minority just lose this $50,000 if somebody changed their mind about a kiosk? Well, you know what? Without knowing specifically what you're talking about, um, so <clears throat> I, the only thing I can think of, I know we had kiosks that were in the central terminal, and those needed to go away once we had the grand opening of the central terminal. So um, I would never want any one of our tenants to lose their money or make an investment that doesn't be able, that's not able to their, recoup their investment. So I I'll make sure I have this person call you. Absolutely. Because yeah. we got another big event coming up we want to talk about before we have to leave, and that's what you got coming up on the 19th of August. And that Taste is, what of is, the region. Okay. What does that say, Hayward? Taste of the region. <laughs> the Taste of the region event, um, we have partnered with, the uh, Port of Seattle Fire Department. We really love working with those guys. Best save rate in the country. And this year, we are, uh, the proceeds for this event will benefit the Washington State Council of Firefighters Burn Foundation, where they promote education and prevention of burn industries, I mean, injuries, and promote the lives of uh, burn survivors. And what's really exciting about this is because I went to Atlanta, as you mentioned, and they had a taste of ATL in the airport and on the street. And I'm like, why can't we do that? Mm-hmm. And so we decided to put on this event to showcase all the flavors and the taste and the wonderful food and the local wines and beers that we have featured here at the airport um, and invite the traveling public and the public at large to just come in and see all the wonderful things that we have going on here at the airport. Do we have to go through TSA to, to get to the there food? That was my question. <laughs> no, you do not. It's, um, it's pre-security in Gina Marie Lindsay Hall, and we are providing validation, so it's free parking as well. Give us a date and times and all that stuff. That is Saturday, um, October 19th. And it is from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. We'll also be ha- outside of just the taste. We'll also be having um, a culinary competition with four local um, and minority chefs that are looking to get an opportunity within the airport. Um, and they will be. We have a chef demonstration from one of our local um, women-owned uh, celebrity chefs, Kathy Casey. Um, and there will be photo booths for children, face painters as well. Um, just a great opportunity, as well as massages for anyone who comes as well. So it's just an opportunity for people to come out and really enjoy what we have to offer here at CPAC. Now, I'm not used to the airport. Now, are there going to be some signs for me or something so I know where I'm going? There will be signs on every single uh, sky bridge that brings, it brings you in from the parking structure into the airport, directing you just down to the event. Yeah, see, uh, uh, Hayward missed the last demonstration out there, Don, but that's all right. Amen. Oop. <laughs> <laughs> Oop. <laughs> we'll show him how to get around. So, um, but Dr. Don, I just want to say, you know, uh, we got another big event coming up honoring you on October 30th. Yeah. Uh, and I just want to congratulate you once again yes. uh, for receiving the Charles Blood Diversity uh, Award. And so can you take a minute or two and share with our listeners a little bit about that award? Uh, sure. Uh, I was notified a couple weeks ago that I am the 2019 Charles Blood Champion of Diversity winner. And, you know, it, it's humbling because I tell people, I'm just here doing my job. Um, and my job is to make money for the airport. But in that, 
Um, we have to make sure that we are treating people uh, fairly, the process is fair, um, and that the way that we um, describe the Pacific Northwest is not just through one lens. Um, yes, chowder and salmon is great here, but so are some of the other businesses that don't look like some of us need that opportunity to. And I just more importantly, um, I just came from an environment at LAX where we made sure that we everyone was successful. It didn't matter what you look like. It didn't matter how large or small you were. And that's where I want the focus, and that's my vision for this program, is that we don't, we're not at a place where our tenants have to sue us or threaten to sue us to get our attention, that every business here is treated uh, with respect and treated um, the same. And that's why that, that award to you was well-deserving, because before we had conscious, subconscious, and unconscious biases, but the biases were there and the outcomes were not there. So that's why we're appreciative of you. And your event will be October 30th, 1130 to 1 at Pier 69 Atrium. And you will receive $1,000 and me and Hayward can help you spend if you want us to. You need some help. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, congratulations. We'll talk about this some more um, next week about your award, Don. So I want to thank you and Khalid Miss Moore very much for your time today. And uh, I guess Hayward will come out there Saturday and be a judge on the food tasting contest. I'll be following those signs I missed last time. <laughs> we're looking for you. Okay. Thank, you. thank the both of you for all the good work you guys are doing, and we'll stay in touch. Thank you. All right. That was Don Hunter and Kalia Moore. And Don Hunter is uh, the Charles Blood uh, Champion of Diversity and Inclusion Award winner for 2019. Our next guest is Steve Smith, Executive Director of the Black Education Strategy Roundtable. Uh, they have quarterly workshops, not meetings, but workshops. And they have one coming up on Saturday, October 19th. Steve Smith, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with Hayward Evans and Eddie Rye. So why don't you bring in, uh, and you know, I was really glad when I looked at your agenda, I-1000 is at the top of that. Thank you, I-1000. And I really do appreciate that because our our local community papers have uh, Larry Gossett, Christine Gregoire, Jay Inslee, and uh, uh, Gary Locke uh, uh, promoting uh, folks uh, doing the I-1000 thing. So why don't you go ahead and uh, I have to throw that in there because I-1000 is at the top of your list, too. So go right ahead and share with us, Steve, what will be happening uh, on at the workshop on Saturday. Hey, Eddie and Hayward. Thank you for uh, giving me a chance to be here. You know, I, I can't start off um, talking today without recognizing um, the passing of Congressman Elijah Cummings. Amen. Um, such a stalwart leader uh, in so many ways to uh, improve our country and in a time when we need um responsible and ethical leadership um it's such a loss um on his passing and so um extend all our best wishes to his constituents in baltimore and to his colleagues in congress and of course to his family so uh, a big loss for us yes. hey um yeah so um this coming saturday in a workshop there's a couple things that that we are wanting to cover so yeah uh, an up- update on the um, um i-1000 uh, referendum 88 um, and just trying to make sure that people are aware of this. And, of course, with those referendums, understanding what your vote actually means and that um, people will be uh, wanting to vote to approve the referendum uh, to maintain the um, I-1000 legislation. So you just want to keep plugging that away with folks to make sure that they are getting that and are ready to vote uh, when we come in November. Um, also, we're going to do an um, update from um, a person with the Census Bureau, 
um, again, one of those crucial things that we need to make sure that everyone in the black community is being counted. Um, and so um, that person to come in from there uh, to keep us updated um, on those on those efforts. And then um, we're also going to take a look at um, uh, some information from the 1619 Project out of the New York Magazine looking at the 400th anniversary um, of the first African slaves yeah. coming to our American shores. Um, and so uh, we're going to take some small readings um, out of this um, extensive, extensive work that has been done um, that takes a look at not only um, the, what happened, but the impact um, that uh, the blacks and that the slaves had on um, the forming of this nation. You know, for, for instance, the, the cotton, um, the production of cotton really helped um, create this country as an um, economic power. Um, it was a really important commodity um, back in those days, and as we know, it was on the use of slave labor that made um, the, the cotton production um, so uh, available and profitable. So we're going to do some things around that. It's not going to necessarily direct right back at education issues, but I always think it's important to understand the context of where we live in the world that we are um, engaged with. And so um, just be a variety of things to help us explore our um, black history and the impacts um, that uh, have happened over the past 100 years and how those are still uh, uh, impacting our, our world today. So we're really looking forward um, to that to that work. And then the last thing we're going to do is do an update on um, there's some new high school graduation pathways that are coming about, and the state board um, is tasked with taking legislation that was passed in the last session um, and writing those into rules, and they're almost done with this process. And there are a couple places where the rules that they have drafted thus far really lower the bar for rigor um, on uh, components. Um, so there's some um, issues around uh, um, uh, career and technical education courses, um, that a person is supposed to take a sequence of courses. And they're produced, uh, proposing that somebody can just take any courses rather than a real sequence in an order. And we're, we just want the state and our systems to um, create rules where expectations are high and that we are looking for um, uh, education outcomes that really prepare students for the next steps in their lives, whether it's going right to work or um, going off to some uh, professional program or a college or what they might do uh, post high school. So we're concerned that, that uh, some of the proposed rules are just too lax, and we want to maintain rigor because we think that's how people are best. Uh, if we hold them to high standards and help the kids um, get a good, solid education um, through the high school years, that will really help them as they enter uh, their post-secondary life and their work career. So those are some of the things that we've got going on, and as always, it's just always great to hear from the people in the room what's going on with them and get announcements from the folks because uh, the real wisdom of the Black Education Strategy Roundtable rests with the people that are in the room with us. And those are our members, and uh, we really value uh, just hearing what's going on with them and the things that they're doing. Hey, Steve, on that note, now when they talk about the census, are they also going to talk about redistricting? Because that's critical in terms of making sure we have the bodies in those areas so that we get the kind of candidates we want. So is that going to be incorporated into it? You know, that's a, that's a really good question, and I'm not 
certain about that because the the, the redistricting part comes after the vote um, or after the count is completed from the census. So yeah. so once so but it's, I mean so right now it's just it's so important that everyone is counted. I mean so it's redistricting and that impacts who you vote for. It also impacts um, uh, what dollars um, come to communities. You know and. Um, while we want to make sure that we get all the dollars most that, that we're entitled to because of the people that live in our area, um, we're just concerned that too many people may um, uh, not uh, make themselves available for the count. And so I think, I think include... yeah, go ahead. You no, know, I was going to say, and I think once you make that clear to them, they need to understand that the way that district is assigned is how that money is going to be spent. Yeah. And who's in charge. Yeah. You know, and, and, well, also of, of, of very concern is for um, our Latino brothers and sisters, um, Latinx populations, because of the immigration things that have been going on in our country um, that have caused so many people to sort of go underground um, and yeah. try not to be visible. Yeah. Um, that could have a real mm-hmm. impact on our community. And so, um, you know, any money that doesn't come to our community um, that uh, we really should be receiving, that we're legally um, able to receive, but um, conditions are set to uh, suppress that. Um, not only does it help uh, hurt the Latinx community, it also hurts us you know, uh, and the black community. So we just really need to help uh, get as many people counted as possible. And on that second note, when they do the Project 1619, which frankly was excellent, but we need to look here because you, you talked about what we did to build this country. There would be no state of Washington if it wasn't for George Washington Bush. And Williams Owens Bush was on the first legislature of the state of Washington and the, and the one who did the charter for Washington State University. So hopefully that's going to those were two black men. There would be no Washington state without his settlement. Yeah, yeah. And actually, um, uh, so not so much in this workshop, but um, next year we've talked with the folks from the Black, black Pass Org organization. Mm-hmm. Um, Quintar Taylor to come and um, really talk more specifically about the history that black folks have played um, uh, here in our region. Um, so, yeah, you're very correct on those things of um, the, the founding of our state. You know, I'm originally from Oregon, you know, and um, oh, Oregon you know, you know what Oregon history. did. You know what Oregon did. That's why they Oregon. came here. Yeah, Oregon's they, racist history. They, they, they made a right you know, instead of a left. That's why. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, before we have to go, to Steve, I want you to give uh, folks information about the quarterly workshop on Saturday, location and time. It's from from 1030 to 3 o'clock, and people are coming. We hope you can come for all of it, but come for just as much as you can attend. And it's held at the Embassy Suite Hotel. It's at 15920 West Valley Highway in Tukwila. Uh, We provide lunch. Um, and so we really are looking forward to people coming and joining us for, for the event. Now, is there an information number or website people can go to and get additional yeah. information? Um, our, our website is www.besrwa.org. Okay, Steve Smith, Excellent. Executive Director of the uh, Black Education Strategy Roundtable. Thank you very much, and I'll probably see you at uh, not this uh uh, you probably won't be at the collective because you're at a workshop now. I will, I will miss the collective. <laughs> yeah, because you're in San Francisco yeah. now. So we thank you for taking time yeah, out from the you. workshop to be on Urban Forum Northwest. Thanks very much and hope uh, good luck on Saturday and keep up the good work, my brother. Thank you all. Okay. Talk- thank you very much.
we got a couple of announcements. We're going to take a break and come back with our next guest. First of all, I want to say that uh, on the front page of the medium, there's uh, Governor Jay Inslee, uh, Larry Gossett, uh, former Governors Gary Glock and Christine Gregoire supporting uh, I-1000. If you look at that sample ballot, it might say approved referendum 88, yeah. but it says should Initiative 1000 be approved or rejected. Uh, you'll see signs up all across the city about a vote against it because uh, the vote against uh, uh, discrimination disregard those signs. African Americans, other people of color are doing less than 1% in a lot of agencies, public entities, because of I-200 20 years ago. Uh, they say keep discrimination illegal. Yeah. Well, we're being discriminated against. So whatever you do, vote for I-1000 uh, to be approved. Also, uh, Larry Gossel on the front page of uh, the CL Medium, and uh, it's about uh, the first piece of major renter's protection package. So it's good that renters are being protected. And also this Saturday is the Seattle Medium Z-Twins annual coat drive. And then I want to give a shout-out of condolence to a couple of people. Jay Doyle's funeral will be at Mount Zion on Saturday at 11 o'clock a.m. And then I look in the paper, my good friend Dan McDowell uh, has passed away. He will be funeralized at New Beginnings Christian Fellowship uh, on Friday at 10 o'clock a.m. And... Uh, then uh, I grew up across the street from this lady, knew all of her, her kids, uh, Jordy Howell Jr., Donald, Gail, Venus, uh, Miss Queenie Howell uh, has passed, was passed away. She was funeralized on the 16th of October. So shout out condolences to my, all my good friends. And we're going to take a break and come back with our next guest after this. Step up your commute and ride light. Sound Transit's new Capitol Hill and University of Washington Link Light Rail stations are now open. Get around town faster and more reliably than ever. Ride now from the University of Washington to Capitol Hill in just four minutes or continue on to Westlake Station in just eight minutes. Find lots of helpful information on how to ride, how to get an ORCA card, and more at ulink2016.org. Link Light Rail. More stations, more places. At the Port of Seattle, diversity is the source of possibility and strength. And we honor our diverse community by expanding opportunities for all people to share in our region's economic prosperity. From the seaport to the airport, we're working to support small businesses, including those owned by women and minorities, and to create quality jobs with lifelong career paths. The Port of Seattle continues to be your port of opportunity. Real people, real life, real radio. Alternative Talk, 1150. Well, the next guest has definitely reached the highest ground, and that is the executive director of the Northwest African American Museum, Miss Lanisha DeBardalabin. DeBardalabin. I said it, Hayward. It sounds musical. I love it. It sounds like a new song <laughs> okay. coming out. And I was, as a matter of fact, I was up at the museum last night, uh, Carver Gaten, uh, and the staff worked overtime, Lanisha, oh, yeah. <laughs> to host the Garfield Centennial Committee. Amen. Garfield High School will be uh, 100 years old in 2020, and January 6, 2020 will be a big celebration. And Lanisha always got something going on. So, <laughs> Lanisha, why don't you share with our listeners what you have uh, coming up? Yes, thanks so much, Eddie and Hayward. NAM is delighted to discuss two important upcoming programs at our museum that center and celebrate black women. The first is that uh, we are honored, humbled, and grateful to be in partnership with our acclaimed local artist, Hiawatha Davis. 
in hosting the opening reception of a powerhouse of an exhibition entitled Iconic Black Women Ain't I a Woman. This is Hiawatha Davis's collection that uh, just elevates and highlights black women of the past and of the present that have made us better as a people. Um, the opening will be on Friday, October 18, from 6 to 8 p.m. at the Northwest African American Museum at the corner of 23rd and Massachusetts. The event is free and open to the public. Folks will get a chance to uh, see this premiering exhibition that will travel nationally and it's premiering here in Seattle. And we're inviting everybody to come out to the opening of uh, this exhibition that you don't want to miss. And as a matter of fact, uh, last month during the Congressional Black Caucus at the National Congress of Black Women, Dr. Ife Williams, I had an opportunity to meet the descendants of uh, Madam C.J. Walker and Sojourner Truth. As a matter of fact, I have some photos on my Facebook page if people want to go and check that out. So that's good. The other thing I want to mention is that Hiawatha Davis's dad and my father were Pullman porters together. Oh, wow. So, uh, so we have that history, too. And they belonged to the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters, the only union a black man could belong to in those days. Yes. So, so anyway, I just wanted to share that. So, And Hiawatha Davis is, is public housing. Amen. High point. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, the history is deep. And so his artwork is masterful. Uh, the exhibition places us in conversation with the women of our past, like Harriet Tubman, Sojourner Truth, Rosa Parks, the four little girls of Birmingham. Mm-hmm. Um, and his pieces are just profound. The entire gallery will be filled with this um, inspiring uh, artwork that uh, looks at um, the strength and the resilience of black women. The show will be on through March of 2020, and so uh, folks will have a chance to come back and enjoy programming that will go along with this exhibition. Hiawatha Davis will be with us um, at various programs throughout the run of the exhibit. Well, you know, we uh, want to get uh, Hiawatha Davis on, and I Absolutely. would like to have you give us a little uh, key on the wind, another ma- major event. The opening is one thing. That's going to be uh, this week. But when you have another big event, we would like to get him on as the artist as well. Uh, so we'd oh, like to get him on as well. Thank you. But we you, really appreciate all the work that you're doing down there. And uh, I've been to several events down there, and you've been doing an outstanding job. We appreciate you all. We'd love to invite folks next Thursday to meet the great-granddaughter of legendary civil rights activist Ida B. Wells. Um, her great-granddaughter is going to be in Seattle on next Thursday, October 24, at NAM, 7 p.m., free and open to the public. Well, okay. Uh, wow. I'm going to have to call Hiawatha, so maybe we can get her yes. on the air next Thursday. Can you work on that? Oh, let's do it, definitely. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, we'd like to have her and Hiawatha on next yeah. week. That would be great. Perfect. Thank you, Eddie. Thanks, Hayward. We, we used oh, to do no, political stuff, but we got about 800 races in one hour. You just can't cover everybody, you know. Exactly. And then people get upset and stuff. So we're going to keep on making sure that what's relevant to our community right. gets on out on these airways because everybody else got stuff 23 hours a day. Uh, the other seven days mm-hmm. a week, and we have one. We're going to make sure we, we make the uh, most of it in terms of getting the information and the word about what's going on in our community. That's right. oh, so, we appreciate you all your so work much. Your work is timely. We'll get we'll get Hiawatha and Michelle Duster on your show for next week. That would be good. Now, why don't you just share uh, right now what other uh, things are going on and how can people, when can they come up and take tours 
Uh, just give us general information about or how can they reserve the facility because about three weeks ago we had the Francis B. North uh, Initiative uh, had the luncheon and program up uh, on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, at uh, as a matter of fact, that might have been September 30th. But any, yeah, so and, and that was our outstanding event. We had Graz, uh, the Cairo sportscaster, and Winona Haig. Uh, she was uh, the MC. Had all kind of different people coming in. That was a fantastic event. Yes, NAM is the gathering spot. We are the gathering spot. And this museum is so much more than a museum. We're a rental space. We're an educational space. Folks can check us out on our website, namnw.org. We have an exhibition now also featuring another local African-American artist, Christopher Shaw, who is a, a ceramic artist. And we have programs that um, partner with UW. We're introducing this new partnership program called Interrupting Privilege. It'll be a public uh, course taught by a scholar from UW um, for community about interrupting uh, white privilege and gender privilege, male privilege. Um, So folks can check us out on the website for that. And um, we will just have a variety of programs throughout this fall. We're gearing up for um, our Let Us Tell It film series. Every month we feature a film that celebrates um, black women. Um, And this month it will be on October 30th at 7 p.m. And um, then we're moving into November with a ton of programs still. Starting Mm -hmm. on November 1st, we're partnering with the Seattle Art Museum and um, featuring a, uh, a scholar who focuses on Ethiopia and Ethiopian art. Oh, that, that, that's, wow. that's great. So you guys are definitely expanding. Well, Anisha, I really do appreciate the work you and your staff are doing. And uh, it's an outstanding facility, excellent programs. And I have to give Hiawatha Davis a shout-out. Yes. Go ahead, brother. Yeah. We'll talk to you soon. And I can't wait to check out the exhibit. So thank you very much, Anisha. We look forward to hearing thank from you. you anytime you guys got something coming up. Appreciate you. Thanks, Eddie. Thanks, Hayward. Okay. All right, now. Okay, that was Lanisha de of and who is executive director of the Northwest African American Museum, talking about the event that's going to be coming up on starting Friday with Hiawatha Davis and his exhibit. Our next guest is Dr. Ben Abe, who is with the, the African Chamber of Commerce of the Pacific Northwest. I guess my fr- good our good friend Peter is Peter. on the men, but Dr. Ben has been there. And they have a big event coming up on Saturday, and they're focusing on investment and agribusiness. So, Dr. Ben, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with Hayward Evans and Eddie Rye. Why don't you share with our listeners about the event that you have coming up? Hey, it's great to hear from you both. Hey, Hayward, how are you? Uh, I've not heard from you, seen you since the last time we were at the port. At the port. I know, my brother. We have to hook up, and this is a great event to do it at. Uh, yes, indeed, indeed, indeed. Now, this yes, is this yes. is the 21st uh, anniversary of, the, of of this annual event, the Business Forum. Can you share with our listenership about the, about the forum in itself? Yes, this is the 21st uh, annual uh, after the Business Forum that we are putting up here in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, it's uh, the African Chamber, of course. Uh, you know, we were formulated back in 1999. Uh, actually, 1998, and so this is our our 19th, 20, 21st uh, anniversary, and it's going to be at the Motif Hotel um, downtown on Fifth Avenue, 
I think most people know where the motif. I, I can't remember what it used to be, what the hotel used to be called. I think, oh, you think, I think it was the Red Lion. Oh, the Red Lion, yes. Yeah, it used to be called the Red Lion. And we have uh, uh, really quite uh, an exciting uh, event uh, starting on Saturday morning uh, from uh, the, the the forum begins at 8 o'clock in the morning to, 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 to 4.30 p.m. And then we have uh, a dinner uh, closing ceremony from 6 to 10 p.m. Uh, and uh, just in case you want to know, the Motif Hotel is on 1415th Avenue, Seattle, Washington, 98101. Oh, excellent. Yes. But can you share with our listenership something about the workshops? Because you have uh, a business delegations from various parts of Africa. Can you share business, with the listenership business, that delegation members? Oh, yes. We have business delegations coming from Democratic Republic of the Congo, which used to be known as Zaira. And we have business uh, representatives coming from Guinea-Bissau. Uh, we have business people coming from Uganda, people coming from Ivory Coast coming from Kenya, and we have business people coming from Tanzania. Oh, and, uh, and we have quite an assortment of speakers as well. Can you, can you uh, share with our listenership who those speakers are and what area they're going to be speaking Me in? Me and Rice is one of them, the Port of yeah, Seattle. Me and Rice, there you go. Yes, 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 yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, Mr. Rice, uh, Mr. Rice uh, me and Rice, yes, he's going to be is uh, the director of diversity in the in, in the in the contracting port of Seattle, and uh, we have uh, 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 see, uh, Mr. Uh, Mark Ganta, who is uh, uh, the honorary consul of Ethiopia yes. in Seattle, and also be talking. We have Jennifer. Uh, uh, Tucker is a business advisor. Uh, we have LAEP, who is uh, an international trade uh, business advisor, also going to speak. Uh, we have um, Dr. Stephen uh, Land, from the president of the Manchester Trade Group. You know, these are some of the people who are going to be speaking. We have uh, Cheryl Hansen, uh, Rick Aguilion, uh, and of course, you know, if you come, you must likely will also hear me speak, you know? So. <laughs> well, when they said you got a delegation, now I thought, no, okay, I see you, Dr. Ben, leading that delegation. But can you can you share with the people now how this impacts Algoa and, and people really trying to get involved with trade and developing that relationship with Africa? Uh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, one of the, the things that, uh, you know, because we, we are, we're going to be focusing on agribusiness, uh, investment and diversity in, in contracting. But in, in terms of the Agora aspect, uh, the agribusiness will probably be, uh, and the investors will be the ones that, uh, you know, that will be of, of great interest because uh, most of our uh, participants, when they come here and we tell them and we enumerate, elaborate to them on what a goy is, uh, they, they just can't believe that, uh, you know, there's so much opportunity yeah. available. Um, and, and, and the unfortunate thing is that uh, even though a goy is held, a goy um, 
forum uh, is held every two, every other year in Africa, you know, because they alternate, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in Africa. And last this year it was actually in uh, in, in Cote d'Ivoire, in, in Ivory Coast, yeah. in Abidjan. And uh, I, uh, I I just I, well I, I I had to run back here. I just stopped in Abidjan a little bit to see it. Then I had to come right back uh, to Seattle. Well, you know, what I love what you're doing, Dr. Ben, is, is the fact is I like agribusiness. You know this. And I know, look, people got to eat. Absolutely. And, and, and absolutely and, and, some of the best land on earth is in the countries you just you named. Know, and, 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 you know, I, I um, Eddie and, and, uh, and, 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 and Edward, you know, one of the things that is so um, uh, disheartening is that uh, the, the products, the crops that are grown, uh, that can easily be part of the, the agua. Uh, uh, most of the time when people think of agua, they think that you're just going to have to bring in clothing which are manufactured to bring here and so on. But at the same time, we also have so many products, agricultural products, that are available, that can be brought here. That, uh, you know, I go to these stores uh, and I buy mangoes, uh, two mangoes for $5, okay? And, and I, I can buy, for $5, I can buy a whole, almost a whole seed of mangoes, you know, fruit. You know, and I'm, I'm loving you saying that because even when I was there, some of the mangoes just go to waste. I go down here to Costco, I buy my mangoes, and I, you know, okay, they're from, I'm not going to name the other countries, but they're yeah, not right. from Africa. Those should have African labels on them. So that investment opportunity absolutely is there in Africa. Absolutely. But, and, 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 and so when, uh, when you show it to people, they say, really? You know, is this what, yes, it is. It is for real. And, and, and so they come here to learn, you know, come here to learn and then find out uh, the other uh, business people with whom they can, uh, what is it, uh, 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 join up with yes. and, 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 and go back home and make a difference in the lives of the, of the people. Uh, uh, Dr. Ben, just for the listenership, everybody needs to listen. What time's the event? When? Saturday? Where? And what time? And, and then also your phone number or internet or how people can look it up to register. Yes, we, 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 are, we are going to start out uh, tomorrow, uh, on, on Saturday at, uh, at, at, uh, at, at 8 o'clock. At the, at the at the Motif Hotel, and to register, so you can still register today and tomorrow, and the number you can call is 206 uh, 256 6139. And is there a website they can go through? Can they go look up the African Chamber? There's a website here www.accpnw.com slash a-B-B-F. Okay. And, okay. And make sure you tell our brother Peter, get well. And for those who are going, we'll see you Saturday because this is going to be fantastic. This is going to be fantastic. Thank you so much for, for, you, for, for you, Eddie and, uh, and Mr. Hayworth. And, uh, Hayworth. Uh, I, I, I can't wait to see you guys again on Saturday. Amen. Okay. Thank you very much, Dr. Men. Thank you, sir. Okay. Thank you, Doc. All right. Uh, we have, we're going to take a break and come back with uh, Jamie Elmore and the Fox family. But before we do, I want to say that uh, 
Pastor Patronell Wright is being honored at Ebenezer AME Church on uh, AME Zion Church on Sunday, October 20th. It's a 3 p.m. luncheon, and it's at 1716 23rd Avenue, uh, Seattle, Washington, 98122. And so congratulations to Patronell Wright. And then I want to give a shout-out to the uh, of condolence to the Lester B. Thompson family. Mm-hmm. He's one of the founders of uh, the Magic Wheels, and the Magic Wheels provided uh, security, security for the first march we had about Martin Luther King. Yeah. So thank you, Lester's thank family. You. Okay, we're going to take a break and come back with Jamie Elmore and the Foxes. At the Port of Seattle, diversity is the source of possibility and strength. And we honor our diverse community by expanding opportunities for all people to share in our region's economic prosperity. From the seaport to the airport, we're working to support small businesses, including those owned by women and minorities, and to create quality jobs with lifelong career paths. The Port of Seattle continues to be your port of opportunity. Step up your commute and ride light. Sound Transit's new Capitol Hill and University of Washington Link Light Rail stations are now open. Get around town faster and more reliably than ever. Ride now from the University of Washington to Capitol Hill in just four minutes or continue on to Westlake Station in just eight minutes. Find lots of helpful information on how to ride, how to get an ORCA card, and more at ulink2016.org. Link Light Rail. More stations, more places. Self-help, healing, spirituality, and more on Alternative Talk, 1150. All right, we're back at Urban Forum Northwest with Hayward Evans and Eddie Rye. Our next guest is Jamie Elmore, and she has uh, Patricia Montgomery Fox and her husband Darren Fox, and Darren has alopecia, and Jamie is the founder of the Alopecia Support Group. They had a just completed a documentary. She had an outstanding event about, about two weeks ago. It was packed, and people are showing up and dealing with the issue. And every time I mention Jamie and alopecia and support, uh, Lewis Rudd from Ezel's, him and Faye, have been stalwart supporters of Jamie's efforts, and I want to give them a shout-out. So welcome to Urban Forum Northwest, Jamie and Patricia and Darren. So, Jamie, uh, the MC, I'll let you take it and run with it. Thank you so much, Mr. Rye, for having us on your show again. We just appreciate all of your support, giving us an opportunity and giving us a voice to be on your show and to share our message. And just to add um, to what you just said, yes, we just completed our first documentary on September 25th, 2019. It was titled Harmony Alopecia Stories. It was held at the Metropolis on First Avenue in the Soto District. And we were totally excited about the number of people that attended and supported us. But before I go any further, I want to tell your listeners a little bit about alopecia. Alopecia is an autoimmune disease. It's where your immune system attacks your hair follicle and causes your hair to fall out. There are 6.8 million people in the U.S. and 147 million people worldwide. And so with this documentary, our goal is to be able to share awareness and to, to provide a platform for individuals to share their stories. And so I'm just excited to be here today, and I have two wonderful guests on the line with um, with us today, and they're good friends of mine. We we go back over 26 years, and what's so interesting about our story is that all the, the years that we had known each other, I didn't know that Darren had alopecia, and Darren didn't know that I was hiding my alopecia. And so it's, it's, just, um, it's just amazing how you can um, – 
deal, be living with this disease and how you can um, hide from the people that are closest to you. And so I wanted to bring Darren on the line first. Mr. Fox, can you come on the line just to say hello and just to tell? Okay, they um actually they got disconnected, but I have them right here. Not a problem. All right, good. Then go right ahead. Okay. <laughs> I have Darren on the line. Go ahead, Darren. I just want him to tell tell everyone how old you were. Let me let me switch here. Okay, there you go. Sorry about that, guys. We know we are live. I want you to tell everyone, Darren, how old you were when you were first diagnosed with alopecia. Okay. Well, hi, Jamie. Thank you. And I can, I can have it here. And uh, thank you, Mr. Rye, for, for putting this together, you guys. Um, I was actually four, Jamie, four years old. Mm. I, like, half my half my head fell off. Mm. So, and how old are you now? Um, 50-ish. You can change. <laughs> so, so, you know what's so interesting? I know that a lot of women talk about alopecia. They talk about the journey. They talk about the struggle. And so to have a man on the line and for to have somebody um, – come from a male perspective, tell me what was your biggest challenges um, growing up with um, having alopecia? Biggest challenges? Um, wow, that's a mouthful, right? Well, well give me something because we're live on the air. Yeah, probably just the, the <laughs> well, it's the emotional thing, right? I mean, it's like the challenges. I mean, you, you're losing your head, your hair, you're trying to deal with being a, you know, a young man, a teenager, flirt with girls and try not to let the wind part your hair, right? Trying to hide the bald spot, trying to, so it's just a constant, you know, almost maybe equated to like a, a dull pain, you know, where you just kind of walk around a little sore, like your elbow hurts all the time. It's kind of one of those things that you're just, you're always aware. You feel like somebody is always peeping you, you know, looking at the bald spot, looking at the, right? So it's just that kind of that constant weight, like, you know. Wow. Now, did you get bullied in school? I'm teased. You know, I'll be honest. We talked about this a little bit earlier. I'm I'm maybe lucky enough that I was diagnosed young and i am been on this path quite a, while, quite a while. I don't remember a lot of things. Mm-hmm. You know, that's probably a gift, you know, but obviously some teasing, you know, through those yeah. years. You know, that's unlike that young lady uh, that Lewis and Faye brought back here, Jamie, because I think she was a teenager and she was yeah. ready to give it up, right? Yes. Yeah, yes, so it's a different was. distance altogether because he was younger. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. So how how does uh, how does Miss Patrick Miss Patricia Montgomery Cox uh, uh, how does she fit into this whole thing as a wife? Well, how do you fit into this? Well, we're going to let her. I'm going to ask her a question. So because what I find, uh, Mr. Rye, is that um, a lot of questions that I get from single people was, "What about dating? Will anybody love me? Will anybody accept me?" And so now we have the opposite. We have a man with alopecia and he has a wife. So Trish, tell us what was it like for you? when um, you found out um, Darren had alopecia, or just kind of give us a little snapshot of what it was like dating and then marrying um, Darren and what your um, outlook was concerning the situation. Absolutely. I did not realize he had alopecia. When I met him, he had a full beard, he had a full mustache, and a full head of hair. And then slowly it started falling out, and I just thought it was male pattern falling, not a big deal. You fall in love with a person. It doesn't matter about the hair, right? But after a while, he started getting really strange about his hair. He wouldn't let me touch his head. Uh, I was just sharing earlier with Jamie that uh, he was, there was a period of time that he was really frustrated with his hair because he had these spots that kept showing up. So I sent him to, I made him go to a barber, which he was, he came back and it was the most horrific experience he ever had because he hadn't told me he had alopecia. Barber had no idea what he was doing. So it was, it was really through that journey, not telling me what was going on was probably harder than when he finally told me. Then it was like, okay, this makes sense. Let's just do this. 
And that was really then that gave him permission and the decision to decide to let go of all of the hair and the few strands that were left because they were just frustrating him. And it changed nothing in our relationship. It just meant that now when I rubbed his head, he had a baby's bald head, and I didn't have to worry about him worrying about being behind me or in front of me, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Wow. It does. That, that does. That, yeah, that's, that's a very compelling story. I guess, that Jamie, that's some wisdom that yeah. a lot of couples that can use right now yeah. uh, who where one of the partners have uh, alopecia. So, Jamie, what do you have uh, coming up next and uh, in terms of uh, the work that you're doing? Well, we have our last event for the entire year. Um, next Saturday, October 20, October 26th, at the, uh, we call it Cafe Conversations. It will be held at Luther's Table from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. And basically, it's a place where um, people with alopecia can come and be safe and share their stories, get support and encouragement. And it's free to the public. So if there's any listeners out there, please look us up. You can go to alopeciasupportgroup.org and just come out and get the support that you need, that we know that you need concerning this um, alopecia journey. Okay, Jamie, I want to thank you and Miss Patricia Montgomery Fox at Darren. I want to thank you guys for sharing your story and for standing up. And I know you guys will be supporting other people with alopecia because Jamie's done an outstanding job. Most mm-hmm. of the people involved in that support network actually do support others with alopecia. So thank you very much and have a very successful event uh, next week on the 26th at Luther's Table. And we'll talk about that next Thursday as well. So thank you for your time today. And thank you so much for having us on the air. Thank you, guys. Okay, okay. thank you. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Okay, uh, I want to let everybody know that Urban Forum Northwest is brought to you by the Port of Seattle's Office of Social Responsibility, Sound Transfer Small Business Development Labor Compliance Office, the City of Seattle's Purchase Construction Services Office. Liz, I'm waiting to hear from you. Uh, Concourse Concessions with David Fukuhara, SeaTac Bar Group, LLC, with Jerry Whitsitt and Ron O'Neill. Uh, Stephanie Ogle with SoulSys Media does our, our website and our technology. And Eric has lined up a minute or so of uh, the late Congressman Elijah Cummings' Amen. speech. Amen. My mission is one that comes out of a vision that was created long, long ago. It is a mission and a vision to empower people, to make people realize that the power is within them that they, too, can do the things that they want to do. And there's a poem that Perrin Mitchell said many, many years ago that I say sometimes 20 times a day, and it's a very simple poem, but it's one that I live by. It says, I only have a minute, 60 seconds in it. Forced upon me, I did not choose it, but I know that I must use it, give account if I abuse it, Suffer if I lose it. Only a tiny little minute, but eternity is in it. Okay, that was Congressman Elijah Cummings giving his first speech on the House floor 23 years ago. Rest in peace, my brother. And Hayward Evans and I will be back with you again next week with another edition of Urban Forum Northwest. 